is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, the one and only Tommy D, as I like to say. Wow, I'm feeling extra bold this morning. Oof, I, I don't know. It's like 50 some odd degrees on the island that is long right now. And it was like four degrees like a week ago. So I'm just fired up. Spring, maybe it has sprung. I don't know. We shall find out. The show is called Philanthropy and Focus. As I told you already, I'm called Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. And we do two things. We do a lot of things on the show, but we do two real big themes that run through the show, that run through what the work that I'm doing. I'm here to help nonprofit leaders tell their story and amplify their message. And that's what I do every single Friday morning. I make the long journey from the kitchen up two flights of stairs <laughs> below the roof in my attic in my attic i didn't know if i'd sing today but apparently we're starting already look <laughs> this is my sector the nonprofit sector and i don't say it possessively like it's mine like i own it it's the most it's the space that i feel most comfortable because nonprofit leaders nonprofit organizations and their teams are changing our world each and every day making a difference and what i like to do is is shine a light on the work they're doing i figure this i do a show a week we take a couple weeks off during the holidays. So we do 50 a year and I got 50 years to go. And if I only did the show on Fridays, that would be 2,500 episodes to go. So there's a lot of work to do. And there's a lot of amplifying left to do, baby. A lot of amplifying left to do. All right. I'm fired up, fired up about a couple of things. Let me tell you this. New York City Imagine Awards, the applications are out right now. So if you are a nonprofit organization that does work or serves individuals in the five boroughs of New York City, please go to nycimaginewars.com and uh, fill out an application for the Imagine Awards. The finalists in the Long Island Imagine Awards, Awards have just been announced, liimaginewards.com. I'll share this stuff on the Facebook. I'll share it on the Facebook later on, but Google it. If you can't find any of this stuff, send me an info, send me like a, a note. I think they say a DM on the Instagram, tommyd.nyc or on the email, tommyd at philanthropyinfocus.com. And if you don't know how to spell focus by now, I will tell you in the attic, we spell it with a P-H-O-C-U-S, two reasons. I love alliteration. And I grew up in an era when the word fat did not start with an F, but it started with a P-H. Things were fat. Like if I told my kids things were fat, they go, that's not nice. And I go, you don't get it. Anyhow, that stuff out of the way. I have two friends with me in the virtual attic. I realize that I do this show on audio and video, and some folks, when I say we're in the attic, and then I introduce my guests, it, they think my guests are literally in my attic, but it's just me being cute about it, because anyhow, look, Susanna Taylor, I see you on my screen. Emily Kerman, I see you on my screen. I actually was thinking last night, how did I even meet the organization, Read 718? And it was like an introduction from, in the perspective of our agency, Vanguard Benefits, where we do group health insurance and things like that, very focused on the nonprofit sector. We put that aside for now, but that's how we originally connected. And what fun, what's really fun for me um, is that both my business and my professional life are so intermingled in this, that my business, my professional life, and my personal philanthropy is what I wanted to say, is so intermingled. Like, I don't know when I'm doing a day of service and when I'm enrolling somebody in health insurance, because it's all the nonprofit sector for me. So anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, check out our new website, Vanguard Benefits, UYOU.com, Vanguard Benefits, UYOU.com. And that is actually, last thing I'll say on this stuff is that's actually a result of collaboration with the Spirit of Huntington Art Center, where I am a board member, uh, which has an artworks program. And they train and teach young people aging out uh, who have intellectual developmental disabilities, aging out of the school system, artworks. And I was just on the phone with Michael Katakis, the ED, early this morning. Uh, but that program is was involved with doing our new mission, vision, value at Vanguard and really helping us tell our story to the community. I will stop there. You guys can check it out in your own time. All right, look, Susanna and Emily, Emily and Susanna, you are here. You are on Philanthropy and Focus. I don't even know if you know what you're in for. I just hope you're ready for it. All right. So, so here's the thing. First of all, let me say this. Good morning to you both. Hello. How are you? Welcome. Good morning. Okay. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having us. We're ready to go. You ready to go? Good. Let's do it. We, go. we think we're ready. We have a three-hour meeting ahead of us. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> all right. So let's let's dive into this. So what I always like to do on the show is I like to meet the leaders. And, you know, I like to understand sort of the journey of, of the organization. Oftentimes, it's an organization that has been around for many, many years. 
and the, the leader who I'm speaking to may not be the founder. And other times, the person and people that I'm speaking to are part of the founding team. In this case, that's more of the story, the second one, where Emily, Susanna, this has been something that you put together. I want to hear the journey. So before we get into the journey of Read 718, which is a nonprofit literacy organization located in Brooklyn, okay? Now look, I'm a, I love the, all the five boroughs. I really do but I am known to like Queens. Now I'm not trying to make enemies with all my, I know I see your mouth already drop, Susanna. I know it. I know it. I know it, but I sort of poke the bear because it's fun. So I sort of am poking the bear. I love Brooklyn. I'm just kidding. But um, my question really is like, I want to know about Emily, your background as a teacher, how you and Susanna are connected, what it was that, what was the catalyst that sort of set apart in motion this organization needs to exist. There's something in the community that there, there's a challenge that is not being addressed. And you know what? Let's let's make a nonprofit. Let's form a 501c3. Let's make it happen. So let's talk about that. Take us back to that, how you guys all connected, how the organization started. Let's go there. Sure. So um, this is Emily talking. Uh, I So I, as, as Tommy mentioned, I was a, an English teacher here in Brooklyn, in the Brooklyn public school system. I taught middle school English language arts. Um, this was many years ago. Uh, but when I was a teacher um, of middle school, uh, I recognized year after year that there were a lot of my students who were really still struggling with some kind of basic literacy skills that I, as a, a middle and high school trained teacher, was really not able to address. Um, it wasn't something that I was expecting because, of course, by that age, generally people think yeah. they know how to read, right? So, um, so anyway, after recognizing that that was a widespread problem, it was not only in my classroom, but um, was something that many of my teacher friends and colleagues discussed. Um, I had the idea that, uh, you know, well, well, what I realized is that the, these were kids that needed sort of individualized instruction. They weren't getting the instruction that they needed in their classroom. Um, and yet that kind of instruction for anyone who knows, if you have a child who's needed a tutor for anything, it's really, really expensive and it can be you know, very cost prohibitive to many families. And so the students that I was teaching really didn't have access to that kind of resource to get additional support outside of the school system. Um, and so that's that's where sort of the idea, or that is where the idea for Read 718 came from, was uh, realizing that there was a real need uh, that wasn't being fully addressed, uh, and that I realized that I could, um, you know, I could possibly help out. And so I did go back to graduate school to become a reading specialist so that I could really understand how to support kids who were past that age of sort of learning to read, um, but who were really still struggling with reading. And so when I was in school, that's what I was focusing on, kind of older children, um, and when I came out, the idea was, of course, to put together Read 718. Um, and I'm going to get to Susanna, too. She, she, was, she was part of this story as well. Yep. Um, but, but anyway, so in 2015, you know, it took a while to, uh, you know, find a location, to set up the 501c3, to do all of the things. Um, and then finally, in January of 2015, we opened our doors um uh to uh you know students who needed our support uh one other thing that i want to mention about uh our program and that was always part of our de the design of the program was that we recruit and train community volunteers to do the tutoring um and so that way obviously um the the families that come to us pay a very, very small fee, and often they they pay nothing. Um, and we can do that because of the amazing work of our of our team of really dedicated, wonderful community volunteers. And so, you know, here in Brooklyn, there's so many uh, resources, you know, so people who are highly educated, um, you know, there's, there's so much resource here, but then there's also a, a real inequality. Um, so the idea was to, to right here in the neighborhood, 
pull together children who had a need and bring together adults who could help provide uh, a service. And that's what we do. I want to, so I know we're going to bring Susanna into that conversation. I see that we're going that direction. There's just one question, one thing I want to kind of underscore. So if I'm hearing you correctly, I, I actually, I have four children of my own. Some people know that. Um, a lot of people probably know that. Anyway, I have four kids. So I was dropping them off at the middle school, two of them this morning. And I was thinking in terms of, I'm going to be talking to, to you both this morning. And, you know, the middle school thing popped up in my mind because, as you say, we make we have this understanding, I'll use this word, not a great word, but assumption maybe that at that level, 10, 11, 12-year-old, 13-year-old children, that they are, they have that capacity because... It, not to be funny, but but how did they get this far? How did they get to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade if they don't have that ability, right? So my, I guess it's a question or more of a commentary on this is um, some way, shape or form, young people move through the grades. Again, am I making a judgment on on school systems? Maybe I am. I, I, I mean, I think that's what it is. Like when, I don't know if it's different in the city than it is out here on the island, but um yeah, have like 40 minutes, 45 minutes with these children as they move throughout their day, similar to a high school schedule. Is that similar in the city as it is on the island? Well, in, in middle school, yes, often. I mean, sometimes in some middle schools might have a block of time that's um, for literacy that's that's a little bit longer than that. But basically, yeah, they have a short <laughs> period of time and you can have, you know, 30 plus kids in your classroom. And if they're ones that have additional needs, it's really hard to address them sometimes. Right. So you need something outside, external. And I am, to, back to your point about, I am aware of what it costs to send a child to mathnasium and some of yeah. these other things, you know. So, um, so the fact that, and we'll get into this, we have a lot of show to do, but the fact that there's, um, that you're bringing this to communities that don't have the resources and capacity to, to pay for additional fees to go to the places. We're getting going to get into all that, what that programming looks like. You were going to mm -hmm. talk about how you and Susanna connected on this thing and what happened next. Yeah, well, I'll let, I'll let Susanna talk, but I just, at first I want to say, um, you know, Susanna and I were uh, friends. Uh, our children went to school together um, before Read 718. But when I was starting in 2015, and as you know, as a nonprofit, you have to have a board of directors. Um, and so, you know, what do you do? How do you find a board of directors? Well, in my case, it was like, let me look at, at the people around me who I, I trust um, and, and value their insight. And Susanna was certainly one of those people. And so I um, approached her and asked her to be part of the founding board, which to my um great fortune. <laughs> she said yes. Uh, and so that that is how she came uh, to be part of Read 718 in the beginning. Right. But since then, uh, that relationship has changed. And I'll let her tell you about that. Take it away, Susanna Taylor, my buddy. Thank Good to you. see you. I'm glad we've never had this sort of communication, you and I. We talk about other things when we talk. We but talk this, about insurance. We do, which is so which boring. Which is fun with you. It's oh, strangely sorry, fun. You make it fun. Yeah. I will laugh. I'll tell you. I have another friend of mine who's a client. Um, my friend Renee Daniel Flagler, Girls Inc. of Long Island. Yeah. And I'm doing the Tommy D stuff that I do, right? Like I'm at an event with her and I'm, I'm at her gala. And her I walk away from the conversation and I, you know, like her and her husband talk after I walk away. And her husband says, Um, you know, that guy Tommy D, he's hysterical. Like, what is he, a comedian? And she goes, no, he's our insurance broker. <laughs> and like, that's Which like, it's actually sort of a joke. It is hysterical to me. <laughs> and again, we got a great business and we, and I do great work and I know what I'm doing, but it's sort of funny. Like, aren't we all so multifaceted that, you know, your insurance guy can be a lot of fun and be super great and have great hair. <laughs> anyway. So, so, Thank so, you for that. Thank you for bringing the joy and the humor to insurance brokering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that's part of my job at Read 718 to secure the insurance that we have. Um, so Emily and I met, as she said, for um, when our kids were little, um, elementary school and through middle school. And I was lucky enough to be asked to join her founding board, which I did for three years, at which point um, it was clear that the organization was going to grow. And my skill set is finance and business and strategy, not at all kids in education. So I had a completely different uh, history, work history and skill set. And um, we decided, I think maybe I proposed it and she agreed. I can't remember, but I was hungry to join her and help her grow um, and sort of put um, into boxes the things that needed to get into boxes. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, <clears throat> so I joined 
five years ago with um, the role of operations and development director. So anything that doesn't have to do with the kids, the volunteers, the families. So that's insurance. Um, it's all of our fundraising. It's finance. I do sort of the budget. It's human resources. It's all the operations. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that's like good five years jobs. She has like right. four jobs in one in one human. It's amazing. Isn't that the strength though? So certainly we talk a lot about nonprofit. Isn't that the strength of having people, you know, not to say silos, because silos are not always great, but having people in their own jurisdiction, their own focus. And as an organization, we're better off when we have the right people in the right seats on the bus or in the car or whatever, or on the boat or whatever the vehicle is, but having the right people in the right seats. And I mean, you say, you know, you helped get things grow and you, you want, you were hungry to join the organization and your background is finance, right? And operational things. And now, you know, Emily goes back to school to, to learn about, let me read how, how you said it, um, reading to become a reading specialist, right? So that means I'm in programs. I'm going to do programmatic stuff. I'm going to, as you say, Susan, I'm going to deal with the kids. I'm going to take care of all that stuff, but it's a business. Gang, if you're listening, if you're watching, nonprofit is a business, okay? It's a tax filing thing, whatever. Let's leave it on the side. We are, you know, no hat in hand charity. Hey, can you help us out? Coffee cup in it. No, no. It is a business that needs to be funded and operational and have processes and SOP, standard operating procedures, all these things. I tell you that to just think that we we are running businesses here that just so happen to have a nonprofit status. Anyway, the point is there's all the same disciplines, responsibilities, and roles, and there's fundraising as well. So I want to come back in a, in a moment or two. We're going to take a quick break. But one of the things, the notes I had um, from, from we have our folks fill something out before the show, and Emily had said, you know, happy to talk about founder challenges and addressing, finding needs in the community and addressing the needs. So we can dive into that because a lot of folks who are paying attention to our show are contemplating starting a nonprofit organization, right? They might be a founder right now leading a nonprofit organization. So aside from me, you know, waving the flag and saying, look at Read 718, this is what they're doing. This is, the, you know, support them. It's also because I build community, it's about how the information we're sharing together can benefit others from a leadership perspective. So when we come back, I want to dive into some of the operational stuff on your side, Susanna, some of the programmatic stuff, galas, whatever's coming up, how we can get involved, how we can support the organization. I promise we will run out of time before we run out of words. That should be the theme of the show. This is Philanthropy in Focus. I am the nonprofit sector connector. Right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in here. 
My buddy, my pal, my uncle, Brendan over at the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. They used to have a band back in the 90s called The Goods. And as older men, they have a band now, and now they are called Damaged Goods. And that's just funny, okay? It's not mean. It's funny. I didn't make up the name. It is what it is. But Brendan and I wrote that song together. I say it all the time. It was like a Lennon and McCartney collaboration. But apparently, he thinks he's a better singer than I am, so I let him sing. I let him. <laughs> he did that for me. That was actually my birthday gift. Uh, Brendan sent that over me in uh, January of 2021, right before the show started. January 8th of, of 21 is when the first episode of uh, of the show ever, ever began. So we are live. Philanthropy and Focus is your show. The organization is Reed 718. I was just reading some of Susanna Taylor's bio real quick from the website. By the way, the website is Reed, R-E-A-D 718, Reed718.org. So prior to uh, taking on the role of Chief, o- Chief Operating Officer and Director of Development, Susanna Taylor was the Director of Finance for a company called Malia Mills, which is a fashion company in Brooklyn. Spent 10 years in investment banking at Goldman Sachs. You probably heard of Goldman Sachs, gang. And what does that all do? That creates skill set, experience, and, and operational uh, fortitude to bring to a nonprofit organization that's serving the community in Brooklyn, as we're talking about already. If you're just checking in with us, the executive director and founder of the organization, Emily Curvin, is with us as well, who was a teacher in the middle school system. So an opportunity. I say opportunity. Yes, it may be a challenge, but we look at these things as opportunities to improve the world. Because I always say this about what work I see that's out there is no big deal, just changing the world. And that's what this is, though. It's that sort of opportunity. So let's go back into it. We were talking, Susanna was talking right before we went to break. There's a lot to cover, a lot to get into. Emily, I want to come back to you in a, in a few minutes and talk about programs and things like that because obviously that's what we're doing but i want to start with Susanna on this on this piece here and go Susanna, you come into the organization obviously you're on the founding board and you come in in this role um do you want to talk a little bit about um standardizing things and and making things operational and so the organization because we all know in order to grow we need to have certain processes and procedures in place so uh, as a quote unquote, smaller nonprofit organization, which there are many that are mighty and smaller that are listening to this show and pay attention to what I'm doing. Can you talk about some of the things you saw as opportunities that you were up against and said, these are the things we need to formalize? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, first, I just want to acknowledge that Emily is deeply involved in all this operational stuff, too. Um, So she doesn't just disappear into programming. She's, She's deeply involved as well. And we sort of collaborate even in places where I take the lead all the time. So um, when I came in, we had one storefront, um, but I I was there as a founding board member. And so I saw us get built. But um, when I joined on the staff side, we had one storefront on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. And quickly we decided we wanted to open a second one. And all of our donor information was in Excel spreadsheets and um, we didn't have health insurance. And um, we had a small team. We couldn't afford it. We didn't. It wasn't an imperative at the time. We've tripled the size of our team. Um, so I think what happened for those who are listening who are trying to do this, um, it's rather organic. You come into an organization, you look around, it is what it is, and it's working. And then you think, what do we want to do next? And what would we need? What's the architecture we would need in order to do the next thing? So for us, I think it was around growth because we opened a second location and then COVID hit and we had to put all of our programming, we sort of had to face reality and put all of our in-person programming with one-to-one tutoring online. Um, what does that look like? And then suddenly um, when we come out of COVID, if we're out, but when we come basically out of COVID, we're able to keep both locations open and the remote program. I realize I'm talking about programming, but all this means we need money. It is a business, you're right. We need to support two locations, a remote program, and staff. We've tripled the size of our staff since I joined. Um, and our biggest expense is, is, is salary and rent. Those are the two, you know, you need a place to do your work and you need people to do the work with. Um, so looking around, I, I lived in spreadsheets for 10 years at Goldman Sachs. So I'm very comfortable putting everything in a spreadsheet. And we did a lot of that. And then we realized we need a better donor management system. So we we went through a huge process to bring Salesforce into our, our, our organization. I was hoping you were going to say that because yeah. 
I have. Because it's so sexy. Uh, it, well, it, <laughs> let me tell you. So, look, I, I'm a sales guy, right? So I grew up using Salesforce when I worked at ADP. I want to say 100 years ago, but it's not 100. But I, I realized, like, I started working at ADP in 2003. It's actually how I met my two partners at Vanguard back in back at the Bayside Business Association 20 years ago, which is weird to say that I actually had a job 20 years ago, but I did. But <laughs> I, 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 we use Salesforce.com there as a yeah. sales management tool as a you know as and again it was a baby salesforce was not what it is now right but you know i used it because i'm a sales guy right but there's so much more to it you know as a crm right Cust uh, client relationship management customer relationship management whichever mm -hmm. seat you want to pick but i have my friends and i'm so glad you said salesforce <clears throat> because my friends who i want to introduce you to uh, Eileen Minogue over at Book Fairies out on Long Island. Mm -hmm. And that's the train, by the way. It's right by my mm -hmm. house. So I might have to go. That might be my ride. But look, <laughs> the Book Fairies, uh, Eileen has has um, spoken at one of my nonprofit executive leadership roundtables and talked about how great Salesforce is and has changed. Back to the spreadsheet thing. That's it. She calls yeah. it one source of truth donor management, right? Information about clients, vendors, all the stuff in one space, totally revolutionized their organization. So shout out to Salesforce. You know, I don't, I don't have a connection with Salesforce per se, but I love that fact that if I'm not mistaken, Susanna, they, for small nonprofits or for nonprofits in general, they give you a certain number of free licenses. Maybe you could, Correct. right? So, yeah. so for small nonprofits, that. I think if you have fewer than 10 people using, it's free. Free with a caveat that you will probably need to hire a consultant, okay, a consultant. to help you yeah. get it, get it set up, and yeah, that is not free. Yeah, no, that's not free. But that again, I I know a consultant out here in Long Island actually did some work for me uh, on my own little Salesforce that I have, um, and that's the cool thing about it. Like it's, um, and I actually met her through uh, through Eileen over at Book Fairies, but still free is great you know and if you have somebody internal that can manage it it's okay but yeah. you know what we all consultants are great you know because they can come in and do the yeah. deep and then move on right that's right yeah. um I, I think just getting back to your original question tommy a lot of what uh it's not like i came in to read 718 with this giant list of things we must do in order to operationalize everything it was right. more i have certain skills and i can respond to what we're trying to do so you know, we have health insurance, uh, thanks to you, because our employees ask like, hey, could we get health insurance? And then, you know, we're responsive and open and like, yeah, that's a good idea. And we're big enough now and maybe we can afford it and let's look around. And so um, I don't necessarily have all the ideas. It's just that I can respond to them and I'm, I can use the resources out there to figure out what we need to do next. I love that. I want to go to Emily and then, and, and then uh, so like, you can respond because we all come to the table with different skill sets and different backgrounds and different experiences, right? Like that's why we have a team. Cause I will tell you this, and this is not self-deprecating and I'm not picking on me, but I suck at a lot of things, <laughs> but there's like three or four things. Like I'm a freaking champion at. So, and one of them is this. So I talk about Emily, like your board, the people around you, you, the, the, you know, Talk about that and those connections and leveraging them, not only for their relationships and dollars, which we are a nonprofit, we like those, but for their their skill set, their experience, their background. Yeah, ab absolutely. I was I was thinking the same thing, Tommy. I was thinking that it's so important as a founder, you know, and I'm coming to this as an educator. And as you have pointed out, you know, it, it is like running, it's running a business, right? That's not my background. And so um, coming in, and I think that happens a lot of times in nonprofits because they see a need and they're, they're you know, then they, they want to start something, but they don't necessarily have the skill set that, that's needed. So, so making sure two things, knowing what you're good at and what you need help with um, is really important. And then obviously finding the right people to fill in those gaps. And we all have have the gaps, we, we can't do everything, um, is, is critical. And so, you know, again, having Susanna come on, um, you know, from the board onto staff was just, it, it was really critical for the organization because there was just, um, you know, there, there are things that she can do that I cannot do. Um, and so, and, and then also with the board of directors, uh, same thing, you know, we have our finance committee, we have our development committee. So there are people who know a lot about fundraising. There are people who know a lot about budgets and finance. Um, and then we also have a lot of educators on our board as well, who, um, you know, we have really great conversations about making sure that our program is healthy and is working. And, um, you know, having a team of people of really smart, 
people who care about the organization is really key to to success for a nonprofit. I love that. I, I mean, listen, you know, I, I find that people need to like I hear a lot about what 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 do we do when we get somebody on the board? What does that look like? And I'm not this is more I'm just throwing it out there because it's a question I, I hear a lot. And I think we need to find out and I'm speaking to leaders and nonprofits. I'm also speaking to board chairs or if you want to be a board member somewhere. Um, why are you on this board? Why are you, what is your why for joining this board of this particular organization? And I think that's very critical because when people go out and we have, we talk give gets and we talk board contracts. And if you don't know what those things are, you know, Tommy D at uh, philanthropyandfocus.com, we'll set up a meeting. But it, but when we talk about those things, it's really about um, telling a story. And how does the story of what the organization does resonate? Because if I'm going to, if there's a gala for an organization and I want my friends to come to that gala, I want to tell them why I'm passionate about horse ability because horse ability does equine therapy and hippo therapy, and they work with the intellectually developmentally disabled and they work with um, uh, veterans and they change the lives of people. And I get to tell that story and that's my why. And that's my connection to that particular organization. So I think it's important about storytelling much of what I say is just what comes to me right away. And that's what's, what I'm feeling to put out there is think in those terms. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go into, I, I want to go into programs. I want to go into the, the look and feel of, of what it's like, two locations, hundreds of students, volunteers all over the place who are trained to do this work to help these students advance. I mean, just the importance of literacy versus illiteracy and, and the fact that jobs and, you know, the socioeconomic impact of somebody being able to read and not being able to read, not having access and on and on and on. We could maybe get into the statistics of it, but logistically, tell me what the heck actually happens each week and what it looks and feels like. If we can do that when we come back. Sure. Yes. All right. Yeah, we will be right back. <laughs> Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You know, that's sort of like a call to action. It's almost like a request. Like, join me in the attic every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for Philanthropy in Focus. All right, that sounded like uh, Gene Wilder in that Willy Wonka movie. Which direction we are going? All right, so Read 718 is different from other literacy programs. If nothing else, I'm here to entertain my guests and myself. If the rest of you all are having a good time paying attention, well, then I appreciate it. My work is done, but I want to laugh. Um, so I'm reading this right off of the website, which I'm sharing on Facebook. It says, uh, Read 7 is different from other literacy programs in several ways. We offer free or very low cost one-to-one -one literacy at introduct instruction. We serve students 
from low income families in grades three through eight, which are aged, those are in young people from eight to 14, which is an age bracket that is grossly underserved in literacy instruction. They found a challenge in the community and they're addressing that challenge specifically. What is the ripple effect of an organization that is helping young people learn to read better, which will then change the absolute rest of their lives? Number three, we pair students with one-on-one -on -one with trained volunteer tutors, allowing neighbors and community members to work together and develop meaningful relationships designed and run the program designed and run by literacy educators. And we work with students in our own Brooklyn spaces, warm, inviting storefronts valued by parents, children, volunteers for the cozy, accessible environments and their dedication to one thing, reading. I wanted to read that off the website. I want to go into programs now. I want to go into look and feel. I, you know what? I think we met during COVID or right around that time. So I have not yet been out on site to a location yet. That will change. Um, I do these days of service. So if there's something you want me to do, um, albeit when I was reading that, I did miss a couple words and I had to go back. I am pretty good at this reading thing. So maybe I can come through one day and, and read. Um, my, my daughter's class in the fifth grade, they had me come in and read um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I, I did silly voices and things like that because they are 10 years old. So it was fun. Um, and then I was told, now I always, when I go to the school, when I get invited to the school, I bring in a couple bags of apples for the kids. Two reasons I do that. Because I think it's nice to always bring something when you show up somewhere, right? It's nice to bring a gift. Um, so I always bring apples because I don't want to bring candy or something like that because I'm not good at sharing candy because I like to keep <laughs> candy for myself. But I, then, I, but it's great because then I leave the apples and then people, I have this thing, I want people to like me. So like they like me because I bring the apples and then I can say to them, do you guys like, do you guys like fruit? Well, I, I brought apples. How do you like those apples? So I get to say that to the teachers and the teachers who are corny like me because they're dads and moms. They love the joke. They think it's cute or at least they give me a pity laugh and stuff like that. The point of the matter is I could read. I'd be happy to come and read one day at the place, at one of the places. Anyway, we're back. Sorry to make you laugh. It's what I do. Welcome <laughs> back to the show. What what does it look like? I, I You know, I, I'm in a parent. I'm in Brooklyn. And I realize that uh, or the teacher taps me and says, you know, junior or Sally is having some some challenges. We'd like to do some sort of intervention and get them some extra um, support here. Is that how it works? Like as a parent, do I find out or do I see it in my own home and go, oh, we're not hitting some benchmarks. Maybe we need a little support. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, well, well, families find us a variety of ways, but yes, often they are referred by a teacher or a uh, you know, a school psychologist or a parent coordinator, some, someone in a school. Um, we do have relationships with schools close by who um, refer for kids refer kids to us all the time. But also, parents um, find us as well because, like we said, you know, it's really difficult to find free or low cost one to one high quality reading instruction for a child, especially um, after third grade. Um, it's it's really challenging. And so there are very few, if, if not really, very few, if any other organizations doing what we're doing here in Brooklyn. And so um, so parents find us and, you know, whether it's sometimes it's walking by the storefront, we actually get a lot of that of people just finding us that way. Um, and then, of course, you know, Google, et cetera, and, and a lot of word of mouth. Um, but, you know, as long as they are eligible, which we are a remediation program, so the the children, um, you know, is like need need have to need the support. We want to, you know, we're targeting the kids who need it the most, um, and who are also from low income households. So as long as they meet the criteria and and can can come to our space, then then they can register and and they come. So and then once they once they get here, we do an assessment um, with the child and an intake interview. So we find out the child's strengths as well as their areas of weakness. Um, you know, no two readers are alike. So uh, that's part of one of the one of the reasons that these are children who need individualized instruction. So it's finding out what what where exactly um, is that gap? What kind of support do they does this particular child need? And then we, the staff, we tailor the instruction to that child's um, specific needs. 
Of course, we're also recruiting and training volunteers all the time. Uh, and then once we have the child and we have the volunteer, we take into consideration um, a lot of different things when pairing. We want to we want to get a pair that we think is going to work well together. Then we pair them up and then they come to our space or also remote. We now have, as Susanna mentioned, we have a uh, a large remote program now as well, but they come to our, they meet twice a week, either in our space or online for an hour and 15 minutes uh, for a minimum of 10 weeks. Um, in our space, it's, as mentioned, it's, it's really cozy. There are pillows, there's a library of books, um, and it's a, it's a really warm and inviting space. And we, that's important to us, uh, as well as to our families and kids and volunteers, because um, we wanted to make sure it's a place that people wanted to be, and uh, they really do. They come in happy, and uh, it, it, it is important, especially for children who, uh, if, you know, reading has been a challenge, and so they might have they might associate, uh, you know, reading and school with um, you know negative feelings, and so we really want to turn that around and um, make this a, a happy, warm place that people want to be. I love it. It sounds like a living room. It sounds like somewhere I want to be. I mean, when I got to read at the school last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, um, my, my daughter was like, um, you have to bring a blanket because we're going to be sitting on the floor <laughs> in, in the in the hallway. And I'm like, yeah, man. So I grabbed like a Frozen. If you're familiar, you know, Elsa and Anna, if you're not familiar with the movie, yeah, you're familiar. Yeah, I know you guys are. If you're folks out there, if you never heard of the movie, great, great, great movie. Elsa and Anna and and Olaf and the whole thing, like all that. Check it out. Frozen to Disney movie. But I brought my frozen blanket in and uh, we sat on the floor and and had like I did the silly voices and the whole thing. It was my buddy, Jamie from the neighborhood. She was my my partner. Like she read a book. I read a book kind of thing. And um, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so the coziness and that connection and and like to your point where. You know, if I'm struggling with a certain skill set, and it's not just reading, it's other things for other people, right? If I'm struggling with something to make it a warmer environment where I feel cozy and connected and it's not sterile and I'm not like just stuck at this desk, do the thing, right? I think that, yeah. that, that changes things for us, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, one of the, like, we always say that our ingredients at Read 718 is individualized reading instruction positive relationships, I stress that, as well as more time reading outside of school. And that those three things, and, I, and especially the positive relationships between the adults and the children, the tutors and the, the student, yeah. is so critical because, um, you know, we know that if, if a child is not feeling safe, comfortable, trusting, yeah. there's no learning is going to happen. If they're anxious, um, if they've, uh, yeah, if they're anxious, they're going to have a hard time focusing on, you know, on, on what they need to focus on. Um, yeah, stress, so, stress does not support learning, right? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And so that's so, so really making it a, a place, like I said, um, where kids feel comfortable with, with the people there, as well as the whole environment yeah. um, is, is really important to us. Yeah. All right. So we, we, I love all this. And I did promise you, I know, Emily, we joked the other day on the phone and I said to you, <laughs> we are, I promise you, we are going to run out of time before we run out of words. I did. So we are going to go to a quick break before we do, Susanna, when we come back, I really want to talk about what I like to do is, um, in, in the last segment, I want to know, how can we help? How can the people listening, how can I help? How can my relationships, how can my network help? So I want to hear about collaboration with other organizations. If it's if there are organizations in Brooklyn, I got to talk to you. We'll talk offline about getting book fairies to somehow hook you guys up. And we got to have some, I think we need a partnership. We'll talk about it. But okay. events that are upcoming, um, things from a development perspective, uh, just whatever you want to leave out on the field, as I say, to get those words out about those things. Can we do that when we come back? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Philanthropy in focus. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? 
Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Join me in the attic. All right, look, really quick, I have one question for my guest. Do you know what I wanted to be when I grow up or when I, well, <laughs> I still am not grown up, but did you ever know what I would like, one of the things I plan on being when I grow up? I do. What, you do? Take, yeah. a, take a guess. A DJ. Close. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Talk DJ. show host. Okay. We're right there. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, we're a president. A, no. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, um, a game show host. Oh yeah, totally, hundred percent. Right, totally, man. That is you. Yeah, right. Let's so there, start. There's a need for that. Let's start that game show. Okay. Yeah, like the, there was like the man on the street in Sesame Street, Guy Smiley, and he would always be like, "Hello, I'm Guy Smiley," and he, like that. And then there was like this guy called Mr. Game Show, and it was a toy, like where it was like a statue, and the guy. I was like, "That's what I'm going to be when I grow up." And again, I, I don't know if I'll ever grow up, but one day I will be a game show host. My buddy Steve Fry, who does a show right here on the network, right after me, always Friday. Maybe we're going to do a game show together. I don't know. We support I, I, you, Tommy. We you support, support me. We, we do. Yeah, I do. See, that's all I do. That. I just need support. That's all I needed. The point of why I brought that up is this is the lightning round. We're going to run out of time. We got to get into it. We got to get into the What happens? What, I'm dropping pens. I'm dropping everything. What do we? That was my pretend microphone. I dropped. I have a real microphone. What do you need? Who can we connect you with? Are there people in the community that you want to shout out and say thanks for being such a great friend, a great partner, a great donor, and what events are coming up? And if you want Italian ices in the springtime, if you have an event, my dad owns the Italian ice shop out here in Long Island, and I'll bring Italian ices. That's something we'll talk about later on. Don't get caught up in the ices. Tell me about the organization. That sounds great, ices, but I won't, I won't get caught up. So this is in no particular order, but I think probably what we need most are volunteers. Um, so as Emily outlined, we, um, for every child that we add to the program and we are trying to reach more and more, we need a volunteer. So if you don't live in Brooklyn, that's okay. We have a remote program. It's our biggest program. It works. It's a two hour a week commitment for 10 weeks minimum. Most kids and most volunteers stay multiple 10 week cycles because it's awesome to do this. Um, and most volunteers figure that out. Um, so volunteers, that's one thing. And you can go to our website and hit the volunteer button or call one of us or email one of us and we can tell you all about it. Um, Before we go on from the volunteer. Yes. How, because I think, and I know, I know kids, kids are great and, and younger people, maybe 15, 16, 17, 18, what I think that'd be a great mentorship type of thing, which you're probably onto already. I'm not, you know, blazing trails on this, but is there an age limit that you require? Yes. Tell me, what is it? Yes. It's high school graduate or higher. Um, and um, at, right now there's a small program where we're looking at having high school kids, but for the most part, it's high school kids and higher. Emily, did you want to correct something or have I got that right? No, you've got you've got that right. And the reason for okay. it is it's, it's it's because it is a it's a it's a serious commitment. Right. Um, and not that not that high school students or people younger that can't necessarily do that, but we found that they often have really busy schedules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, with sports and after school activities, and this all happens after school hours. So so it was challenging. So um, and it and it also is um, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a serious commitment. So we, yeah. Okay, yeah. but if 18, 19 year old kid who, you yeah. know, who may be studying, it doesn't necessarily need to be studying education, but if they are studying education, that's even cooler because it's good for them. It's good for Absolutely. the participant. Right on. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, cut, I cut you off, Susanna. Back to the lightning. Okay. So 
volunteers. That's, that's, that's number one. Um, also, if you can't, if, if you like what you're hearing and want to support this organization and you can't volunteer your time, maybe you can donate money. So that's easy to do. You can go to our website and hit the donate button or, and, or you can come to one of our fundraising events. We have three a year and they're great. One of them is our May benefit. So that's coming up around the corner. It's Thursday, May 18th. It's in Brooklyn. It's really fun. It's a fun fundraiser. We give you dinner and drinks. We have entertainment. We don't make you sit at a table for two hours. It's a, you move around. It's kind of, uh, it's really fun. So we invite you to dance all. party and there's a dance party. It's really fun. So that's, it's casual. You don't have to get all dressed up. Um, you can, but you don't have to get super dressed up. So it's kind of Brooklyn style, fun, yeah, um, low key. So Where is come that? to that. At one of, your, one of your centers or is that? No, out? no, no, no. We rent out a beautiful space. Uh, this year it's 501 Union, which is in the Gowanus neighborhood. So it's kind of a gorgeous, but low key, um, venue so i don't know if i was telling your... you guys but brooklyn is my favorite borough i, I don't know if i mentioned... I think that that's not what you said but um okay <laughs> thursday may 18th tommy that put that in your calendar I'm, doing it. I'm, I'm like i just google 501 union i look yeah. at your website and it says you know save the date thursday 18th of may 2023 mark your calendar details to follow it says i love Correct. it Very... that's right we, we that's don't like have that. everything ironed yeah, out we do it. have a dj you do have, you a do have the DJ. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, so volunteer, donate money, um, come to our events. If you have a particular expertise that you want to share with us, because we could always use expertise. We're growing our board. Um, so it's particularly in areas of fundraising and law and HR. Those are some areas on the board where we could use more expertise um, as we grow. Spread the word. If you like what you heard today and want to support this organization, it doesn't have to be dollars or volunteering. You can just spread the word to your, your friends and colleagues because maybe somebody out there wants to get more involved. You mentioned collaborations, Tommy. We have done collaborations. We're totally open to them. I'm going to throw out a few. Emily, you can add. We, we had a collaboration with um, Therapy Dogs. So on our little Saturday reading room program, which is for younger kids, that the dogs would come and they sort of help kids feel comfortable and calm and um, we did that. We've had um, a partnership where we are a collaboration with an artist where the kids make art. Um, what else have we done, Emily, that you want to highlight? I'll, I'll do a, give a shout out to the Brooklyn Book Bodega, which is yeah. another organization. Um, they, they collect donated books and they give away free books all over Brooklyn at events. Um, and uh, we were partnering with them to help them collect books. Um, so, yeah, another great organization in Brooklyn. Love it. Yeah. Listen, Brooklyn Book Bodega. I love the alliteration. My favorite. Listen, if you are listening and you're watching, let's come on the show. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. Come on the show. We'll talk, we'll talk books. Um, what about bringing in, like, I know you have other things you want to say, Susanna, so I don't want to step on it, but yeah. what about bringing in, like, speakers and things like that, and then hit us with those other two events? We know May 18th is coming Okay, up. so those are actually the same things. It's a good okay. question because it puts the answers kind of both of those things. So our May event is the biggest fundraiser that we have, but we also host, it's one other event that we do twice a year. It's called Read 718 Reads. This is an adult-only event where we invite people to read a book, and we've had 10 of these, I think. And you read the book and then you come to a private home in Brooklyn where you're fed dinner and you're given drinks if you like, and you discuss the book with the author. So it's like 30 to 40 people in a private home. Last night we had, um, we, we had this last night with the author Washu who has the book Stay True. It's a memoir that was on the New York Times top 10 list last year. We've had um, Colson Whitehead. We've had Jennifer Egan. We've had Susan Choi. We've had Ethan Hawke. We've had uh anyway David Grand, Lydia Millet yeah so we've had really exceptionally talented authors who are willing to say yeah I'll spend the evening with your crowd and sit in a home and talk about my amazing book I just wrote and those are high ticket um high dollar I guess uh tickets because we only sell a few tickets and we try to raise between five and ten thousand dollars um in those evenings we do two a year so we just had one last night we'll have another one in the fall in the fall. In the fall. We don't have a date yet. And we Good. don't have an author yet. So if well, you're I got an author and you're listening. I do have plenty of friends who are authors. You know, I've yes. written I've written six books. I they're in my head though. I haven't put them on paper. <laughs> yeah. But I do type with, I do type with two fingers, so it takes a longer time that way. But I will say this: I have friends who are authors. Shout out Renee Daniel Flagler. Shout out my friend Ivy Slater, who who writes books. Um, I'm I'm leaving some out, and I hate to do that, but I have a lot of friends who are authors. Um, so we can definitely hook you up. I also want you to hook up with um, Milda DeVoe. 
at uh, it. I told you the name of the organization. Pen, wrote it down. Yeah, Pen Parentis. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. that later on. They do Excellent. salons with authors. Again, like my brain works in this way. That sounds like it should be with that. Let's put it together. Which one of these things is not like the other? I play another game. Which one of these things are like the other? Put them together. Mush it. Collab. Let's do it. All right. We are running out of time. I want, I have another minute and a half, but I want you to just say anything that you need people to know. Emily Curvin, Executive Director, Susanna Taylor, um, uh, Director of Development and Chief Operations Officer. Let's leave it out there for them. What else can we hook you up with? Anything else you want to mention before we go? Well, I, I would just like, first of all, again, I just want to thank you so much, Tommy, for the opportunity to, to talk to you and, and your listeners. Um, it's It's been really great and fun. Um, I guess I just I just want people to 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 please just go to our website, check us out. It's a it's a really important. Uh, we all know how important literacy is. Um, maybe sometimes we we take it for granted. In fact, I think um, and don't necessarily realize that even right here in New York City, uh, you know, like sixty percent of of third through eighth graders are reading below grade level, and it's just it's just not acceptable. Um, and so so we're doing everything that we can to support our young readers because we know how incredibly important it is. And so if you out there are one of those people who, um, you know, understands the importance of literacy and reading, and uh, we, we welcome you to join us in all the ways that Susanna just outlined. Volunteer with us, donate, spread the word, um, share your expertise, and just reach out to us, and we'd love to hear from you. Love it. Read Seven Weight. That is the website. Susanna, give us, I'll let you have the final word before the final word. Well, I just want to underscore what Emily said. Tommy, you make everything fun. And so this has been really fun. And, um, but, but there is a crisis actually out there that we, we are trying to address and um, not to be a downer on, oh, on your okay. show, Tommy, but okay. when 60% of the kids in this age bracket are reading below grade level, and we know the impact that being illiterate or lack of literacy has on life outcomes and, you know, what can follow if you, if you simply can't read, um, and you, you touched on the school system. I don't want to indict the school system either. And, and steps are being taken to address some of this, but we are failing our kids, you know, as a society. So, so the fact that Emily founded this organization to start to make a dent into that problem is, is terrific. Um, but it is really bad. So, um, so join us if you're at all moved by this or interested in trying to solve this particular problem. Um, we're trying and we're making a a little dent, but we can do more. Well, here's what I see. Thank you for that. And I'm with you hundred percent. And I I have some statistics I want to share right quick before we, before we end the show, but 60%, there's no excuse for that. Okay. I I don't want to indict anybody either, but that's, let's be real. This needs to be addressed and that's what we're doing here. Um, but talk about impact in the reverse direction. 92% of the folks in your uh, community that uh, work with Read 718 make measurable gains in their reading during their time at Read 718. 80 plus percent of the readers go up at least one level in the 10-week cycle. And uh, also uh, the average uh, uh, increase in levels of reading is 1.3%. Um, so the, <laughs> There's 60% in the negative, but you're making an incredible impact. What's the ripple effect of that? I do have to leave it there, but I do see in my future. What about read 516? What about read 631? What is the growth? What is the potential? Dare to dream. You want to do a radio show? Do a radio show 108 episodes into something that was just an idea in my head. You're going to the nonprofit sector connector. My friends, make it a great day, everybody. See you later. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 